Welcome to the Recognizing Potential podcast with your host and certified relationship coach, Cameron Thompson Alaricki. This is the podcast for all things real and raw on building the healthiest, happiest marriage and parenting relationships possible. As a coach, I am on a mission to help couples divorce proof their marriages. Together, my clients and I are changing the statistic that half of marriages end in divorce by learning and more importantly, applying tools and tips on how to communicate clearly, create peace and love generously. I am happily married and we have two boys and in my spare time, you can find me reading, painting and traveling this gorgeous, incredible world. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, real quick, the gift of growth for Christmas is here. I'm so excited to let you know that the revamped course for Better Me, Better Us is officially open. This is the course to better your marriage by yourself. I've run two rounds of this so far and it was so successful for people. And I've even added three extra coaching sessions to make it even more impactful. So if you are the type that you have a partner who isn't on board with coaching, therapy, or counseling, just know that it's okay. I was there about three years ago myself, and I can honestly tell you that there's so much that you can do on your own to have the marriage that you so deeply desire. My husband and I now have the marriage that we've always dreamed of having because I took the steps myself that I did that I'm teaching you about in this course. And then he came along with me saying that it was all the work that I had done that he was seeing the results of. He felt bad for not doing it himself and he wanted to be better too. And that's what created the great marriage that we have now. If you are ready to get off the merry-go-round, you're ready to be able to set boundaries and create balance and harmony, not only in your marriage, but in your home as a whole. If you're ready to have confidence and stellar communication, if you're ready to have healthier fight styles and ready to just be the best version of yourself overall, this is the course to jump into. Click the link in the show notes. Of course, there's always a payment plan available as well. You can email me at coaching at recognizingpotential.com. Again, that's coaching at recognizingpotential.com for payment plan options. And we start January 4th. Make 2022 your year. I can't wait to see you in there. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I have an amazing treat for you all. My guest today is Shannon, and she is a certified sex coach and sex educator. She is living in New Orleans, and she is an erotic poet. So um, today, we are going to answer a lot of your questions that I asked in the stories a few weeks ago about all things sex education and all things, you know, the questions that are a little bit too uncomfortable to ask to your Uh, couples coach or to your partner. So welcome, Shannon. I'm so excited to have you on the episode today. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really well. We're recording on a Friday and that's my favorite day. So (laughs) So it's good. That is awesome. Okay. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, What is an erotic poet? What, What does that entail? That's a great question. I started uh, attending 
a show called Esoterotica here in New Orleans when, uh, yeah, probably around 2017. And I was just an attendee, just sort of watching uh, these poets read these wonderfully descriptive scenes uh, that they had set out as poems. You know, I read erotica, but this was really fun and that it was poetry. So eventually at some point I was like, you know what, I think I could do that. I think I could write a poem that's erotic. I think I could get a little dirty on stage in front of people. Um, and I did it and it was really well received. Um, I did a piece about enthusiastic consent. And so it was just a piece very much about like how fun it is when someone's enthusiastic about wanting to have sex with you. <laughs> and people Definitely. really loved it and they asked me to keep doing it. So I kept doing it. So I've been writing with them since about 2018 yeah wow what a fun hobby to just jump into and find randomly I love it when that happens yeah I love it when that happens that's awesome so you guys you've been doing that for a while and then how long have you been coaching so I actually completed my certification just this year I did some sort of supervised coaching while I was getting the certification over the last year and a half ish um, but I finally am full-fledged and have my own client list as of about two months ago. Fantastic. And what was your, what was your reasoning for getting, um, to be a sex coach? Like there's so many different realms of coaching out there, but why, why this industry? Oh yeah. What a journey. I never thought I'd ever be a coach period. <laughs> Me either. I never, <laughs> did not see that one coming. Did not yeah. see that one coming. <laughs> um, I, I'm a, I'm a teacher is who I am at my core. So I actually was a classroom teacher for Same. a while. I taught Same. high school yeah. uh, and I moved into outdoor education. I started teaching environmental education and doing things like adventure education, like zip lining. And when I moved to New Orleans, I worked for the recreation department for a while. And I, over time, sort of started spending more time writing and I started getting offers for work with my writing and I started working more on that. And for the last three or four years, I've actually been more of a freelance writer than an educator. And I felt that educator itch coming back and I kept seeing, so I had so many friends who were coming to me with questions about sex. And I was like, I really wanna be teaching about sex. And I looked up all the different sort of certifications and professional routes I could take to become a sex educator. And the only official formal sex educator certification is by ASEC. And that is just one where I would need like a whole master's degree to get. And I just do not have that. But a sex coach yeah. was much more accessible. And my experience in education like lent itself to that. So I took that path and I'm using that to put out lots of informative content and writing more about sex than, you know, the other things I was writing about before this. Awesome. So do you have a blog or something that you put on your website? Yeah. So on my website, there's a blog. So if you go to sexcoachshannon.com slash blog, my blog is there. And I also write on Medium. So you can find me on Medium as well. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I have a few questions from my audience that we'll just jump right into that way. Um, we make sure to get to all of them. There are um, about there were several, but there was only really one that was really specific. The others were kind of just, they could all group under the same umbrella. Mm -hmm. So um, the first one is, what do you tell people when, or couples, when the, when one of the couple, one of the partners, so in this case, it's a woman, feels like she isn't as good at sex as her husband? What do you tell them? I mean, my first reaction in that situation is to say, what an exciting opportunity to explore 
and figure out how to, you know, become more sort of diverse in the things you're doing sexually, you know, you can sit there and go, okay, well, I don't seem to have maybe as many skills or maybe feel as skilled sexually, but let's take this opportunity to sit down and go, so where do we begin? You know, how do we get there? This is some of the funnest learning you can do. Um, a great suggestion at this point, and I know I, I mentioned in our conversation earlier that like online resources are available for some things. Get on Google and type in yes, no, maybe list. This is a really great place to start. So it's a list that's yes, no, maybe, and it'll just list a whole bunch of possible sexual acts. And separately, you print two separate lists, go into separate rooms if you have to, and tick off yes, no, or maybe to each act on the list. And you're not saying whether you have done it. You're saying whether you'd be open to doing it. Okay. So which acts are a solid yes, you're enthusiastic about it, I really want to do this particular act on this list. Which acts are a maybe, like maybe if the situation was right, or maybe if, you know, we did it this way. And then there's the solid no's, you're like, absolutely not, there's no way I would do that. Okay. And so you fill these lists out in separate rooms, and then once you're both done, you come together and compare your lists and start oh, seeing like okay. where those shared yeses are and, and just start taking it one step at a time, you know, pick one item at a time. Sure, okay. So can you just print a list off and have that conversation with your partner then if you feel open to that? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that leads me into my next question is what if a couple does not feel comfortable taught? Like this is one of the things, and this is something that I deal with when I'm coaching couples as well. What do you, what do you tell your couples who just do not feel comfortable talking about sex? Like right. their past is still in lockboxes and they don't feel like vulnerable enough to, to talk about this. Definitely. Yeah. Those are the situations where I say it's time for you to both come in for a session, right? If you're so locked up that Definitely. you can't possibly, yeah, like you just can't even talk about it. Um, then you, you need a third person there to help you sort of, you know, oil up that conversation machine and then turn it on and get it going and say, okay, we're going to talk about these things now. I know it's awkward, but I'm here to be the awkward person and call it out, right? Right, yeah, nope, <laughs> um, same. You know, same. and I'll occasionally get people who are really, really resistant and their, or their partner's really resistant. You know, maybe I'm talking to someone who's very open, but their partner doesn't want to do it. Um, and, and the best middle ground I can offer is there are some workbooks out there and there are, if you're like letter writing, you know, some people will take a notebook and they go, this is our communication notebook. If we can't talk about these things out loud, we're going to take this notebook. I'm going to write you a letter about the things I'd like to hear from you. And then I'm going to hand the notebook off to you. And when you have time, you're going to write a letter back to me and you're going to hand the notebook back to me. And this notebook goes back and forth and you can go back and refer to previous letters, you know, for clarity on the conversation. And that can take some, some pressure off. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I love yeah. that idea. I love yeah. that idea. Um, okay. So next question is, uh, for a lot of my listeners, they're like Elliot, like uh, law enforcement officers, okay. wives and things like that. So had a couple of questions or pilot wives where our husbands are not, we're not always on the same schedule. Mm -hmm. So how do you take the idea of scheduling sex? I have to think about how she wrote in this question. So when you, when you schedule sex, how do you make it fun versus being like another to-do list item? Yeah, I was just hearing about uh, this actually, uh, there's a sex and psychology expert who was talking about how, you know, scheduled sex used to be the vast majority of the sex we had, right? 
because having a partner away was just a normal part of life for a long part <laughs> of our I didn't history. know that. I didn't think about that, but that's so true. Yeah. Like all the way back to hunter-gatherer societies, like the hunters are gone sometimes for days or even weeks at a time. Right. So um, I would say, you know, remembering that because I think we get caught up in the fact that we're scheduling so much of our lives already. We're so glued to our calendars and we feel sometimes like we have little control over our lives. Like we are just being dictated, our time is dictated by these calendars and by other people saying they need to see us at this place at this time. And so we can start to feel like, oh, if I'm putting sex on the calendar, like I've really hit a low. Um, and I think we need to sort of detach ourselves from our calendars and say, you know, the calendar is helpful and it's necessary, but I am not my calendar. You know, like so I am true. a separate being, I'm a sexual being and I'm busy. I have priorities in my life. I have things I need to do in order to live the life I want to live. And I'm going to do those things. And it's okay if sex just fits in this particular slot. It's just the way the cards landed, you know? Yes. Um, it's not the end of the world. And if you're so busy that you're not having time to unwind before that scheduled sexy time, then that's worth, you know, thinking about how do I schedule in like a bubble bath before sex, you know? Yeah. And it might be like, oh no, the solution isn't more scheduling, is it? But the reality is, is you need to know yourself, you know, even more than you need to know your calendar. So what do you need to feel sexy personally? For me, it's not a bubble bath. I have different ways that I feel sexy. But for a lot of people, it's a good you know, anchor. So what gets you feeling sexy? Does going out dancing make you feel sexy? Does drinking rosé make you feel sexy? What, what makes you feel sexy? And sort of put in some buffer time for your scheduled sex to do those activities. You know, I think I, I love that. And I, I think that that gets hard because there's so much lack of self-awareness that people don't know what makes them sex like feel sexy. So maybe really getting real with yourself or even scheduling a session with a coach to, to explore that part of it. Um, the other thing that I read the other day was, um, it was actually in a relationship blog, but talking about how sex is not just like right when you get home or like, right. When it, like, it doesn't start when the act starts, it starts right. like in the morning when mm -hmm. you give compliments of like, Hey, I really like your butt in those jeans or Hey, you know, speaking each other's love languages and, or sending a quick text throughout the day and being like, Hey, I'm really looking forward to seeing you tonight. Or I'm really Absolutely. looking forward to our time tonight, something like that. So that they know, um, I'm actually working with a couple right now that, um, they had not been together sexually for eight months mm -hmm. and just a whole bunch of circumstances happened and there was a lot of grief and loss there too. And so they, um, they scheduled a, a quick session with me and in their session, they were like, I'm so nervous. Like I'm so nervous. And I think for women too, and you can speak into this for women, it's really hard because we need that emotions before sex, whereas men need the sex before emotions. Mm -hmm. And so for, for this woman, she was like, I haven't lost the baby weight and I look terrible. And I, you know, my husband says I look great, but that's because I'm wearing winter clothes and I look like a lumberjack. So it's okay for me <laughs> to look like a lumberjack. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, she was so worried. And so, you know, I kind of had to give her a pep talk and be like, you guys have six kids together. Like 
your husband knows every inch of you. He knows what's happening. You know, it's not that he loves you for your body. He loves you for you. And so kind of go through that. But then also I want you to speak into like how we as women get in our own way, mm-hmm. because yeah. that I feel like that's what stops a lot of things too. Yeah. Even, even going back to the like scheduling what makes you feel sexy and not knowing what makes you feel sexy. Like it all ties back into the fact that one of the most common assignments I give to my clients, especially my female clients is go masturbate. Like I need you to be masturbating more, honestly. Like we, we just need to be touching ourselves more in a sexual way um, to know ourselves sexually. And we need to be doing it not with a goal in mind other than to enjoy it and, and just, you know, sit there and be with ourselves sexually. Learn. Yeah. You know, it's, I think a lot of people to, you know, a very common problem for my female clients is people who are struggling to reach orgasm. That's a big one. Um, or they can only, you know, orgasm under specific circumstances. Um, and one of the biggest solutions I say is I say, you know, stop trying so hard to orgasm. You, you try so hard that it stresses you out and we can't orgasm under stress. We, it's just not the way it works. You're supposed to be relaxed. So if you're stressing about it, it's not gonna happen. So one of, the, one of the first assignments I'll give a lot of my female clients is get a timer, set it for 10 minutes and touch yourself in ways that feel good. Whatever part of your body feels good to touch, you know, wherever you'd like that to be. And just spend 10 minutes just touching yourself and enjoying it and finding like what makes you kind of shudder a little bit and what gets you kind of tingly down there. And do you want to touch that tingle? You know, just spend 10 minutes exploring. And when the timer goes off, you're done. You're not even trying to orgasm. You're really just trying to enjoy yourself a little bit. Um, And if you can make that like a daily practice, give it a week or two and suddenly all of a sudden like orgasms are just happening, you know? (laughs) I think for women, especially women who have small children, that's where, well, and maybe even not, maybe just women in general, I think it's just in our head. We get in our heads so much where you said that the idea is not to orgasm, but just to enjoy it and to not be stressed that I think that right there is the problem. Mm -hmm. So many people we're so stressed and we're so in our head of like, okay, well, the dishes need to be done and there's three loads of laundry that need to be done. And Mm -hmm. well, little, you know, our four kids, you know, what if they wake up and what, you know, there's Mm -hmm. so many things that need to be done and Mm -hmm. we're shooting ourselves so much. Well, I should be doing this or I should be doing that instead. And no, you should be enjoying your partner. (laughs) You should, you should be enjoying your partner. You should be enjoying yourself and your body, you know? Um, And I think another thing too, is sometimes the way that we talk about sex just continues to reinforce this idea that as if sex isn't enjoyable for women or isn't supposed to be, you know, it's something you give up. It's something you do your wifely duties, you know, sometimes like yes, these ways of that drives me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It just reinforces this idea that sex isn't supposed to be enjoyable or that women aren't supposed to be sexual. And that's just not true. <laughs> it's just, a, yeah, not at all. A big bucket of crap. It really is. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I grew up in um, a very rural area where there's a lot of um, like Amish, not really Amish, they're German Mennonites, but they still wear like the, um, 
like all the women wear the same looking clothes and they wear the beanies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, someone once told me that they worked at Victoria's Secret and that the German Mennonite community is actually the largest purchasers of Victoria's Secret because that's what that's what and they've all got like 11 kids so yeah like hello that would make sense so definitely sexually active (laughs) yes like they have time to home make noodles and enjoy their partners and have children that, that you know they're so many kids so yeah like I feel like we need to get away from that stigma of this is something we have to do or it's a duty or it's, you know, like, right. Well, I got to, you know, and it does and off and then move on, you know, no, right. It does. I mean, I totally understand. I think too, because again, a lot of the same messaging goes on the lines of, you know, some of your other tasks as a wife are homekeeping and child rearing and all of the work that comes with that. So it, certainly feels like just another thing on the list of things to do when there's so much you're expected to do. And if you do feel like you truly are just overburdened, if you actually don't have enough time in the day and you actually are so stressed just by your day-to-day demands that at the end of the day, you just can't feel sexy, then maybe it is time to say like, hey, I I really do want to have sex, but like, I just need you to fold the laundry. Like, I just can't do it. I don't have it in me, you know, (laughs) like, like that's what I'm asking from you today. (laughs) Well, or even rearrange your schedule. I had a couple about a year ago that I was working with that they could never make time for anything for each other. And it felt like they were giving each other what was left over at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. instead of giving each other their best. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we figured out how to make it where they started their morning out together every morning where they had breakfast together and they did a little devotion or something just for them. But then like, instead of having, you don't always have to have night sex, like have morning sex. If you know your, your kids get up about the same time every morning. So set the alarm, you you know, if you know you're tired at the end of the day, then yeah, I love that prioritization, you know, that, that saying we like, is this actually a priority? That's a big question. I'll have to ask uh, some of my couples as well is how much of a priority is addressing this actually to each of you? right? I need you both invested in order to make this happen. And I so ask doing the same question. Like that. That's, yeah. Because yeah, it does. Yeah, it I comes need... down to priorities. Yeah. If you, it's not that you don't have time, you have time. Mm-hmm. The hard pill to swallow is that you're not making, you're not, you know, managing your time well. Right. And so therefore it's not a priority. You yeah. make time for what's a priority. So yeah, no, love that. That's great. That's the hard pill to swallow. Yeah, this yeah. idea. I, I think about the ways in which in my own life in which I recognized I'm tired at the end of the day and there are things I would like to do with my time that I'm not doing. And so I started waking up early and doing these things at the beginning of the day. And it is amazing how how that works across things, whether it's relationships sure. or work goals or creative endeavors, whatever it is you're doing. Say, where's my energy the highest? When is my energy the highest? How do I prioritize what I spend that time doing? hundred percent. I want to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. So the next question that I have is from a man and he talks about how he's in his early forties and he's already dealing with erectile dysfunction and his wife, God bless her is just starting to come into her prime. And 
Um, so, you know, as women, you know, we kind of reach our prime, like in our mid to late thirties. And so now he's dealing with one thing and she's, you know, dealing with the other. So talk about drive, talk about what to do, you know, how do we handle, you know, things like erectile dysfunction Mm -hmm. and how do we handle the differences in, in the couple? So three things right there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to drive, I find that a lot of men who are experiencing ED actually still have drive and they're pretty frustrated with the fact that, you know, their penis isn't on board with them. Right. <laughs> like, oh, I think on. that's kind of the case here. Yeah. Right. So the drive is there. Um, obviously, first of all, there is nothing wrong with taking Viagra in your early forties at all. Like that's not uncommon. And it's sort of just, The way I see it is, you know, if you have a condition and you need to take blood pressure pills, then you take them. That's just it. Deal with it, you know? (laughs) Um, And it can be, I think we get tied up in the associations with virility and sexuality and being a man. And uh, the the best thing you could do to start is to let that go. You're still a man. You're you're just as sexual as you've ever been. And you're going to be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And even like shooting yourself. Right. I should be able to get an erection. That applies to like like you are, you're fine. You're fine. You still have a penis. It can still get hard with the help of the medication that you now have. So use it. There's often a bump here where it's like, oh, it starts to feel like scheduled sex because you have to take the Viagra in advance. And that circles back to what we were saying earlier of, you know, just because it's scheduled doesn't mean it's not sexy. You know, if anything, it can be kind of sexy to be like, yeah, I've set this time aside for sex and I know it's coming. Like I've taken the pill, this is happening. Um, And in instances where perhaps the other issue that will come up is sometimes, you know, um, our wives, our female partners will sort of be really excited and want to go right now. And it's like, oh, it, it takes a while for this pill to do its job. Um, that's okay. There's plenty of things you can do to please your wife without your penis being hard. There's a lot of things you can do with your hands, your mouth, if you're open to toys, uh, if you're open to learning dirty talk, if you don't already do that. Um, There are so, so, so many, many ways that, you know, your wife can enjoy sexual pleasure without your penis being hard. So in the time it takes to get there, you know, have fun, play ask her what she wants and needs, um, you know, try some of the yes, no, maybe lists. There's a lot of things on those lists that don't involve a hard penis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a great idea too. I've never heard of that. Yes, no, maybe list. That's fantastic. That's a really great resource. Yeah, they're for an people. excellent resource. I, I, I love, I'm a big fan of the internet. I got a lot of my own, you know, sexual education from the internet and there's so many great resources out there now. And I think, you know, as I talked about in our earlier conversation, you can get a lot done with a Google search and you reach a point where you're like, okay, I need a human now, but yes, no, maybe lists are one of the best resources I've seen that you can find easily. So talk about that. Like at what point would people, because there's certain things I actually just made a post on this the other day of like, okay, at what point do we need a coach? So at what point should people stop relying on Cosmo and, you know, the internet and be like, nope, it's, it's time. Like we need to put the shame away with talking to someone and actually get help. So what are kind of some of the um, indicators that they need to come see you? 
Yeah, the biggest indicator is generally like just the inability to really communicate and understand each other. You know, you mentioned this earlier, the idea of, you know, a couple that's just like, oh, we just we just can't even talk about it. Like there's so much sexual shame that it's like scary to say words like penis or vagina or other substitute words that, you know, you feel comfortable using. So that would be a great time to see a coach or another would be if you've tried the yes, no, maybe lists, you've done all the yeses. And you tried a couple maybes, but maybe one of them went terribly wrong. And now you just feel like everything kind of blew up in your face. That might be a good time to see a coach and talk about that experience and see what's happening there. Um, a big one that I get are, you know, couples with mismatched libidos. One partner wants a lot more sex than the other partner wants. And they've tried talking about it, but there's so much emotion around it that they can't seem to have the conversations without, you know, breaking down and, and even, you know, coming to tears or yelling. And at that point, it's really helpful to have a coach. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and I feel like there's so much, there's so much shame around Mm -hmm. the names of our body parts around the way that we use, like it's dirty. Like I feel mm-hmm. like even as kids were taught that, no, don't touch that. That's dirty. Mm-hmm. That's dirty. Yep. No, Absolutely. well, no, like talk about, yeah, there's just, there's just so much yeah. education that needs to happen and needs to change too with the way that parents teach their kids. Absolutely. Um, so that it's still safe for them, you know, growing up, especially in the world that we live in now, but also so that there's not a lot of shame for them that they mm-hmm. are wrong. Because that's a, you know, I have a one-year-old right now, a little boy, a one-year-old boy, like he, you know, he's just now discovering that, oh, I have a penis. What this, mm-hmm. what is this? Whoa, cool. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thinks yeah. it's the coolest thing ever. So, and funny how that doesn't change. Like right, it never changes. <laughs> one or 12 or 29 or 65. Uh-huh, like it doesn't yep. change. It's it never still changes. the coolest thing ever. So yeah, and that it just I mean, there's no, there's no shame in getting help and there's no shame in, um, this is one time that you should, should on yourself is that you should (laughs) see that it's okay that, you know, I mean, you'd get help if you weren't losing weight, you go to a physical trainer or if you are a personal trainer, or if you, you know, need help with physical therapy, you go to a physical right. therapist. If you if need you help exhaust, with your heart, you go to your doctor, you know, yeah, if you exhaust the information available to you, you know, you, you've read the books you wanted to read, you listened to the podcasts you wanted to listen to, you've read the articles and you're like, wow, I'm still not getting there. Or we're still not getting there. You know, it's okay to say, you know what, it's time. Let's, let's book a session. Let's see what happens. I think that is so true. And also, do you have a podcast? I don't not yet. Okay. I will. Is it coming? Okay. That's okay. So for right now, like what are some resources for people who are like, okay, I want good information, but like we were kind of Mm -hmm. talking about before, like there's, you know, Dr. Google is not always the most reliable doctor. So what, what's, what are some of your favorite podcasts, um, books, like your social media handles where they can find information definitely well I'm easy to I think I'm easy to find I'm on you know Twitter and Facebook as sex coach Shannon so you can just search sex coach Shannon all you know is one word on either of those and you'll find me um and I'm also on you know some other sites like reddit with that handle as well and Mm -hmm. Instagram in terms of, oh, I just can't do Instagram. No, <laughs> Yeah, okay. no, not yet. Not yet. 
Um, yeah, but I, so yeah, in terms of what I'm listening to, I am listening. I always make sure to listen to Dan Savage's love cast every week. That's kind of my go-to, uh, Dan Savage has been a sex advice columnist since I think the late nineties. I, even when I was growing up, I would secretly like sneak that part of the newspaper out of paper and read it without my parents knowing, you know, I was that kid who wanted to know this information. And so now he does a podcast and it is excellent, you know, and Dan is one of those people who has enough connections that if there's a question that is medical or specific enough that he doesn't know the answer, he'll pull experts onto the show. So you're always going to get expert opinions and you're going to get, you know, information from a guy who's pretty in tune with everything that's going on in the sexuality world and who's been doing it for a very long time. So highly recommend the love cast. Definitely. Um, my other podcasts are pretty specific and niche to different things. I do some specialty work with like kink, you know, and BDSM. So there's some podcasts on that topic. Um, and then there's other types of sexualities, you know, the queer community that I also listen to. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I feel like you sneaking that information was like a precursor to you being a coach. Like that was like your, oh yeah. Oh, your yeah. idea I, that you would become a coach some sometime later. That's that's really awesome. You know what I, I think happened is I think that like like we talked about, we're scared to talk with kids about their body parts. God forbid about sex. You know, right, you can't talk right. to kids about sex. That's not allowed. And I think as a kid, I had that kind of upbringing, and it only made me more curious. I was like, oh, what sure. are they? what are they hiding from me? And so I was, you know, trying to find information. I, my, you know, my mom made sure I had a library card. So I was at the library every weekend, like looking for books on the topic. So I was a sex nerd from a young age, but it was almost entirely because everybody was trying to keep the information from me. And I couldn't have that. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because I was the same way with relationships. Ah. So when I, um, when I was in high school, we had a senior project that was, we had to do some kind of a poll for, in our community, we had to do some kind of, we had to do research of our own and of the vast majority of topics that I had available, like we, there were no limits on this. Like we just got to pick one and mine was on love. And if you were in love and you were married, do you believe that there's one person out there for you? Do you oh, believe I in that whole soulmate thing? Yeah. Like at 18, 17, 18 years old, like this is what I was interested Amazing. in. And I still changed my major 11 times in college and still like <laughs> then Because you can't major way. in love. Yeah, you know? because that's, that's, the... that's my thing is like, yeah, that's why this is so, you know, my, my jam is to you're where you're meant to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 100%. I was a kindergarten yeah. teacher for a while. Did that, did, did mm-hmm. that whole thing. And yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was blogging. I started blogging about relationships and sex in 2007. I was still in college. I wound up getting a degree in English and being an English teacher for a while. And, uh, you know, because being an English teacher allows you to go into literature and literature about love is as close as you can get other than being a science teacher and doing sex ed, you know. Right, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there is no major at, at the time. There was no way for me to major in sex. There's no way for you to major in relationships. And it's funny how we just wind up finding ourselves where we're meant to be anyway. That's so <laughs> true. It's the path so is true. Roundabout, but we get there. <laughs> when it's your calling, you can't yeah. stop it. Like yeah, these, you're going to figure it out you know, eventually. 
you know, my certification is new. People will say, oh, you've only been, you know, in the sexuality field for a year or so. And I was like, well, but I, I've been, but I've been writing. doing this for a while. I've been writing about this since 2007. And even before then, like I was the nerd with the books who all the friends turned to when they had a question. And yes, I'm the person who people will reach out to and go like, Hey, you know, I think, I think my, my brother has a, like, I think my brother might be watching too much porn and I think it's affecting like his ability to, you know, have healthy relationships. Like, can you talk to him? Can you give me some resources or, or someone else saying, you know, Hey, like I'm trying dating, but I really need to know, like, in terms of like how soon people have sex these days when dating, like, what, what do I need to know about that? And, you know, so I've just always been the person people turn to. So I'm like, I've been doing it informally for a really long time, you know? (laughs) Okay. Dive into that a little bit, the whole porn thing, because as like in relationships, it can cause problems. Like Mm -hmm. for a woman, we feel like we're never going to measure up to that. Like, right. And it's okay that you're not going to measure up to that. You're not meant to measure up to that. Right. Right. But then if our husbands are only, you know, like that's how they get off or they're, you know, it's like they need more and more and more, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so how, so just dive into that whole thing, like how, how porn hurts a relationship or helps or whatever. Right. Yeah. So first and foremost, the most important thing is for couples to be talking to each other about this if it's something that comes up, right? If the wife notices like, oh gosh, oh, you're you're watching porn and I just, we need to have a conversation about how, what my feelings are, you know, is, is this something that's gonna be new and I need to figure out what my boundaries are or do I already have firm boundaries? I know people who from the time they were teenagers, they've had a firm no porn boundaries with their partners and that's just it and their partner has to deal with it. They're just not gonna deal with it. I have other friends who from the time they were teenagers, they were like, oh, I really want my partner to watch porn and I want them to try everything they see on me, you know? (laughs) So everyone's different. Everyone has different uh, opinions and personal boundaries. And so that's the most important thing is either know your personal boundaries or start figuring them out. Um, You know, even if that means my boundary is that we only watch porn together, you know? (laughs) So like I'm there or, you know, you watch porn that I've picked out for you. Like everyone plays with this differently. There's nothing inherently unhealthy about watching porn or masturbating. All of that is completely normal. It's a normal part of human sexuality. Um, Obviously people might have personal hangups about it and that's okay. And people might have personal beliefs around it and that's totally okay. Um, But if you're worried that it's unhealthy, I would take a step back. You don't need to worry about it too much. It's definitely true that like porn stars are porn stars and we, don't look like porn stars if we're not porn stars, generally speaking, and we're not experienced in the way that porn stars are experienced. Hey guys, real quick. If you are loving this podcast episode, it would absolutely make my day if you would give it a five-star review and share it with your friends. You never know who might benefit from the information that you're loving as well. Tag me in your post so that I can thank you properly. And every review and share helps this podcast grow and get in front of more people, which also helps my mission to divorce-proof marriages. And we all know someone who could benefit from that, right? Thank you so much. And now back to the episode. So you just hit on another topic that I want to address um, before we get off here is the importance of making sure that both of you get off because mm. I feel like it's very common for, and I hate to throw men under the bus here, but it's very common for men to get off and not wait for their wife to finish. Uh, and mm. then 
they don't feel fulfilled. So yeah, talk into that a little bit. Definitely. I mean, this comes back to investment, right? How invested is our, our husband in making this a priority, you know, and addressing this because the moment it's a priority, you can slow things down and say, you know what, my new personal rule as a husband, as a loving, caring husband who wants to give my wife, you know, fulfilling sex, I don't come till she does. That's the rule. We're just gonna have to figure this out. Love that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's, it's a rule that I've seen in a lot of couples and a lot of marriages. Like that is kind of the approach is it's, we know who tends to take longer to get there. And so we're going to focus on that person first and we're going to move at the pace of the slowest moving team member here. Right. So, so let's turn the attention onto the person who needs that extra attention. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, that, masturbation assignment where it's like just touch yourself for 10 minutes without the goal of orgasm doing that with a partner can be highly sensual and erotic giving you know a a a nice body massage with the option of some genital stimulation in that massage you know can get really highly erotic and can amp things up to a point where it actually winds up becoming easier for you know our wives and our ladies to orgasm because they're just like whoa whoa this is so stimulating my whole body's being touched I feel beautiful I feel luxurious you know so the slowing things down can actually make it easier to get there faster for our wives and our ladies slow it down to speed it up I love it slow it down to speed it up that's great and The whole overarching theme of she comes first would be great for husbands because as a relationship priority anyway, like your thoughts are not selfish. They are a we instead Mm -hmm. of a me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thinking about your wife anyways and making, you know, her needs and wants. Yep. It's not only just a bedroom thing. It's an overarching theme to, to have the happiest relationship. and two you know, making it that the wife, you know, doesn't just lay there like a bump on a log, like mm-hmm. get into it and have mm-hmm. your part, you know, yeah. do the things that your partner wants and and make him feel sensual and luxurious and all of that right. as well. So, and keeping, yeah, keeping in mind that it is a, we, it we is, are yeah. in this room, there's two of us here where we are doing a thing together. We are both engaged in this and you know, it is so, so common for, for women to feel like a bump on a log because they've been told that sex is not supposed to be enjoyable and it's almost like a service they're providing. And it just mm-hmm. feels like they're giving yet again and not really getting. And they just sort of wind up embodying that and living that. Like, I am just a bump on a log. Like, that's that's what I am, a, a sexy little bump for my husband. But that you know? needs to be a conversation too. If you feel like you're giving more than you're getting in every mm-hmm. aspect of your relationship, including sex, mm-hmm. you need to be having a conversation about that because that's I not yeah. okay. Yeah. This should be receive. mutually enjoyable. Yeah. And if you feel like you lack the knowledge and the tools, again, like the yes, no, maybe list is so helpful you know, taking time again, like masturbate more. If you're not sure where to start, you know, the, the latest book that came out is come as you are, um, okay. is an excellent book for, do you know the author of that? Thanks for listening to another episode of the recognizing potential podcast. 
If you found the content in this episode helpful, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. I appreciate it so much, and it would absolutely make my day if you would share this episode by taking a screenshot and sharing it on your social media. I'll leave ways to tag me in the show notes, and I will talk to you next week.